Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast, and I'm joined by two guests, Leah Shaham, the founder and executive director of the Vision Zero Network, and Robert Spiller, the director of transportation for the city of Austin, Texas. Leah, Rob, welcome to ITE Talks Transportation. Thank you. Thanks. Great to have you here. We're going to be talking about speed management on this month's podcast. And why don't we start off, Leah with telling us a bit about your organization, the Vision Zero Network. What is that, and what's the focus of that organization? The Vision Zero Network is a nonprofit project that's working to advance Vision Zero across the nation. And as you probably know, Vision Zero is a growing movement really determined to eradicate traffic deaths and severe injuries, to make sure we have safe mobility for everyone. And we're working with more than 40 communities across the nation, really happy to be partnering with ITE and other groups in the field. And what we're really focused on doing is bringing community leaders together in the fields of transportation, public health, law enforcement, policymaking, community advocacy, so that they can learn from each other. You know, what might work in Seattle can be learned in Durham, can be learned in Fort Lauderdale or San Antonio. So really hoping that we're building on lessons learned, moving towards Vision Zero, and and helping others kind of have a little easier time getting there. Earlier this month, IIHS came out with research, and that research said that increased speeds have killed 37,000 people on U.S. roads over the past quarter century, and they also said that for every 5-mile-per-hour increase in speed limits, there's an 8% increase in deaths on freeways and interstates and a 3% increase on other roads. Given that research, Leah, talk to our listeners a bit about the importance of managing speeds in the context of reaching the goal of zero fatalities and serious injuries, and how you're working with ITE on that effort, please. Yeah, I think we know that the issue of speed has really been an an undervalued issue. So many of us have seen the numbers. Uh, For instance, high speeds are associated with about a third of traffic deaths in the country, and there's good reason to believe that number is an undercount. But let's say about a third Yet there's really not enough, I would say, policy and design and and advocacy attention towards the issue. And we're really proud to be working with ITE and and many others on this issue, really because we, we know that one of the basic principles of Vision Zero and a safe systems approach is that we know we cannot stop all crashes. That's That's an impossible goal because people are people, we're fallible, we make mistakes. There are going to be some crashes out there. But what we can do is mitigate the severity of the injuries associated with crashes. And the greatest way to do that, the most effective way to do that, is by managing speed. And that really comes down to often a policymaking choice, a design choice, and and really a political choice to prioritize speed over safety. And I'll just share that we really appreciate great work from groups like IIHS, and ITE, who are increasingly focusing on the issue of speed management, who are stepping up to share 
technical support and encouragement with their communities and to really urge greater attention. And we're seeing some good attention also from groups like the National Transportation Safety Board, who's really made some strong recommendations, as well as the Governor's Highway Safety Association. Those are two organizations I check out their work, and you can see their recommendations. And we're seeing really strong examples out of cities like Boston, New York City, and Seattle. They've lowered their speed limits. They're redesigning streets. They're using effective speed management tools, and they're seeing real progress. And I want to give a hats off to also cities like Austin, Charlotte, Durham, who are really moving in that direction and, and working more towards speed management policies as well. Back in February, ITE delivered a speed management workshop to some key stakeholders in the city of Austin. Leah, you were one of the presenters. Rob, I want to ask you, why did the city of Austin apply to be the site of the workshop And why is speed management such an important issue for you in Austin? Well, you know, uh, last fall we had a couple of our staff members attend the Vision Zero Cities Conference, and they took part in a first iteration of this workshop. And we thought it was just such great value bringing the knowledge of best practices in other Vision Zero cities as part of the Vision Zero network to the citizens of Austin, to the policymakers, to the residents, and also our staff. You know, I like to say that it's seldom that a city invents something new. They just improve on something they've found from another uh, city worldwide. And so I think that's what this workshop gave us the opportunity to do, is to really look at those efforts in other cities that might be transplantable to Austin and and how we might uh, innovate on them. You know, speed management is so critical here in Austin. We know that many of our injuries, uh, something like 70%, occur on just 8% of our roadways. Most of those are higher speed arterials, and so we know that speed is directly involved in the crashes, the serious injuries, and the fatalities. Uh, And we also know that many of our residents are concerned about those slower streets, their neighborhood streets, Uh, even though that's not where the majority of the fatalities and significant crashes are occurring. They're concerned about the speeds in their neighborhood as part of a quality of life, but also their perceived safety of what they want to use that right away for. And so, you know, speed is increasingly an important element here in Austin. We're in a state that limits uh, our ability to manage speeds on larger roadways, and so we're looking for as many opportunities to learn about how best to do that uh, from our peers in other cities. Since the two of you were both involved with that workshop, perhaps, Rob, you can give me a bit of an overview of the content of the workshop. And Leah, maybe you can tell us a bit about your part of the presentation to that workshop. And then as a follow-up to that, how was it received by the people who were there and what follow-up actions are planned after that workshop? Right. Well, here in Austin, you know, we started with uh, really an education piece, uh, talking about the speed management program, what was included in that, uh, talked about the next steps to implement a speed management program here in Austin, both from an education perspective as well as a policy effort as well as an engineering perspective. We talked to the community as well as the policymakers as well as uh, key staff persons. We had a lunch and learn uh, where we invited Uh, some of our highway enforcement police officers to hear from law enforcement from other cities about innovative speed enforcement techniques. The afternoon included a creative charrette about where we talked about setting speed limits on arterials and 
use real data for uh, one of our high injury network segments to see how the different speed setting methodologies would impact recommended speeds, uh, as well as changing the design of the street. So it was really an all-hands-on opportunity to discuss positives and negatives and different approaches from everything from design to enforcement to education about how to address speed. So it was well-received by everyone that participated, for sure, and we continue to focus on speed on those high-injury network arterials to make sure that we're responding to where we're having the crashes, the fatalities, and the serious incidents. And Liam, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you presented at the workshop, please. Sure. I'll build a little bit on what Rob shared. He mentioned the lunch and learn that was part of the workshop, and I thought that was a really interesting piece. What we did was bring in experts via phone from Portland, Oregon, and from the Oro Valley in Arizona. And these are law enforcement officers. These are police in in both those places who shared their experience and very positive or successful experiences in enforcing the law with a a safe systems and data-driven approach. And one of our thoughts on really emphasizing this piece is, you know, how important it is to make sure that you're using the law enforcement tool in a a thoughtful and, and, and careful way. You know, we know that we can't solve the problem, let's say, of high dangerous speeds with enforcement alone, nor can we do it with engineering alone, nor just education, right? It really needs to be all those pieces of the puzzle. And I was really impressed with Austin, the team's ability to really roll up their sleeves and get into really deep planning. And they, they really were enthusiastic about thinking about what they could do on their streets with a data-driven approach, again, from an engineering approach, an enforcement approach, an education approach, and really talking directly about the importance of building public and political support. You know, we know that speed management isn't easy. It's about changing culture and and expectations in a way. So how do we really make sure that you you can build up public and political support as well? So I was really impressed with Austin's commitment and energy towards this. Rob, you mentioned that in Texas there are limits with what the city can do when it comes to speed management, particularly on arterials. Are you working at all with elected officials in the state to relax those rules somewhat so that cities do have a little more leeway? Or are there things that you can do uh, on those arterials beyond enforcement? Yes, to all of that. You know, we continue to have a policy approach where we are working with our state and regional leaders to try to change the prima facie speed here in Texas, but also uh, we're looking at the current tools we have to use uh, our maximum ability to use different tools in terms of determining an appropriate speed limit, and then also the design level comes in very important. You know, we've already started collecting speed data and doing engineering study on specific crash histories for some of our key arterials. Like I said, you know, we know that 70% of our, our serious incidents are occurring on just 8% of our roadways. And so, you know, just using data has helped hone us into where we look at. We're also working on a new framework for a speed management program where we'll recommend utilizing uh, appropriate speed setting methodologies based on, you know, what we heard from the workshop, directly uh, learned from the workshop uh, and found in the leading research. Um, we'll also be creating a toolkit of countermeasures, if you will, uh, that will likely include changes to roadway design, enforcement techniques, and so forth. You know, people, it's one thing to set a speed limit. It's another thing to make people want to drive that speed limit, and I think that's really important here. Our partners in the police department have actually approached us with 
a new iteration of a letter writing strategy where, you know, hey, we saw you speeding or we know you've been speeding on this corridor. We need you to slow down. We'll be patrolling this area. Those kind of techniques, we haven't used those in a long time here in Austin. Certainly at the state level, there's concern about privacy, but we're really interested in in pushing the envelope as far as we can to make sure that, that people know that what they're doing, their behavior is unsafe. And then engineering, and, and I know Leah said, you know, engineering is a big important thing. Uh, it, we know that at certain intersections we can make simple engineering changes, uh, and we've seen a 40 to even 80% reduction in the crash rates, uh, all crash rates at those intersections. And, you know, common element in all those intersections is speed and, and maneuvers that are occurring that are unsafe at the speeds that are going through those intersections. So that's sort of our approach to speed going forward. You talked a bit about changes in roadway design. Can you be a little more specific, and and what are some of the changes that you have made, and have you found success with those changes? Yeah, you know, one specific uh, location that I can talk about, you know, and it's common in many cities, is that there's left turns allowed too close to a signal. And so what happens is whether it be a grocery store or other retail Customers are leaving the store trying to take a left across traffic, and either because there's multiple lanes, somebody uh, stops to let them through and the next car over hits them. You know, we've been putting in medians, controlling the access to those locations, even closing driveways, and see an immediate reduction in those crashes just simply because you're removing the most dangerous crashes. And the speed element of that is the other traffic that's moving through the intersection is going so fast that there's no time for those drivers to react to that car turning left. In terms of success, I just mentioned, you know, we've seen some intersections with anywhere from 40, 60, 80% reduction immediately in crashes when we simply deny that left turn in certain places. And so that's pretty dramatic. Uh, now, that's a pretty draconian response to access to those properties. And so we take that very carefully and very seriously. But in terms of, of success, you know, when our major grocery store chain here in Austin comes out and thanks us for closing one of their driveways because they're flat out losing too many customers, I think that's the highest measure of success that we can have. Leah, you bring a national perspective to this whole question. Are there things that you've found that work seemingly everywhere on a national basis, or are there things that seem to maybe work better in some regions versus others? I think there's a, it's a great chance to remind people that you know, while we all think about the E's, again, engineering, education, enforcement, uh, evaluation, all of these important E's, you know, we really do want to emphasize that those communities that have seen the greatest success really have emphasized that engineering piece, that design piece. Again, we can't educate or enforce our way out of these problems. Those are important aspects, but we've got to be supporting our planners and our designers and our engineers with the tools and the flexibility to do what works on the streets. I think, you know, a lot of the pieces that Rob was just talking about, we're seeing that in cities as various as Boston to Orlando to San Diego to smaller communities. What we're seeing is it really comes down to what kind of environment we design or sometimes redesign. Just putting up signs to say go slower or doubling down on enforcement, which we know will never have enough resources and capacity to be everywhere, that's never going to work. So we really need to be taking a systematic approach to saying, hey, let's look at our high injury network. And I know Austin has done this and many communities are doing this now. Let's look at our high injury network. Let's use the data to show us where the most severe and urgent problems are. 
And then let's take a real systems approach to addressing those issues. And Austin has had great success recently, I know, and other communities have too, in passing funding measures. Their local voters are, are voting for safety. They're voting for a vision zero approach. They're voting for the systems approach, which, of course, includes speed management. So I'd say, you know, the thing that really works is building out that public and political support to really make sure that our planners and engineers and policymakers can use the tools that work, whether that's taking a a systematic approach to addressing, say, dangerous left turns on multi-lane high-speed arterials, which is very common. Maybe it's daylighting intersections so that there's more visibility as people are driving and making a turn. They can see people walking and pedestrians in a crosswalk. These are proven countermeasures from a design perspective that we know work to manage speed and improve safety. Yet sometimes there's pushback because there's always pushback to change, right? Sometimes people just don't want change, yet we know this can save lives. So I'd say most importantly is really do what works, document it, make sure that you're building the case, and build that public and political support to prioritize safety over speed. I want to ask both of you this question, but perhaps you can give it uh, the answer from different perspectives. Leah, you talked about getting public and political support for these kinds of efforts. What have you found works in terms of getting that support? Leah, I'll ask you first from a national perspective, and then maybe, Rob, you can tell me what's worked in Austin when it comes to that. I think we're seeing more success in this area when we combine a strong data-driven approach with personal stories and experiences. We know that both pieces are very important. Um, The data really proves the points, right? We can look and say, hey, where are problems happening? Where's the preponderance of safety concerns? Let's focus our scarce resources there. You know, we can't put our, our limited money or staffing everywhere, so let's put it where the most severe problems are, where it's going to make the most difference in a safety perspective. And then let's really complement that with bringing people's stories to the forefront. And sadly, that often means hearing from people who've been involved in severe crashes, who have been victims and suffered, or people who've lost loved ones. And what we're seeing across the country, and I know Texas is a place where this is growing, we're hearing about the formation of groups like Families for Safe Streets. These are people who've lost loved ones in traffic crashes, who are organizing, who are going to their city councils and their state legislators' offices, who are going to the media, who are meeting with their engineers locally and saying, you know, we need change. We need to bring more urgency to this issue. So I think, you know, as much as we can all support those brave people who are coming out and telling their stories and sharing their suffering, that's a big piece of, I think, what is making a difference in policymakers' minds these days. Here in Austin, we know, unfortunately, that speeding is a systemic problem, and we know that we need to effectively change the culture around the behavior before it leads to a significant reduction in severe injury crashes and fatalities, and that's a big step to take. Our challenge will be to work with our policymakers to clearly define what the problem is uh, that we're hoping to address uh, with limited resources. Uh, There's never enough money to spend to achieve, you know, safety, if you will. A good speed management program, I think we'll have clear objectives, clear decision-making criteria for uh, where we focus our efforts, uh, and a good post-intervention measurement uh, that we can uh, apply and make sure that we can use uh, and evaluate and continue to use uh, the ones that work. And if 
there's ones that don't work, go on to ones that do. I think we also have to uh, incorporate a safe system approach, recognizing that communications and enforcement are a key part of the successful change, as Leah says, but also engineering and evaluation and data-based approach is really important. We're just starting to, to really recreate our speed management program as part of our Vision Zero process. I would just say that I know there's no silver bullet here, so the, you know we can't just focus on education, just can't focus on enforcement. We really have to have a full court press uh, across uh, a lot of different areas to deal with speed and really change that culture. One of the problems here in Austin is that people don't have enough alternatives or choices to make travel choices enough opportunities. And so we're busy building out our transit system to give people options to their car, uh, building out the uh, Internet and, and digital infrastructure so that people can choose not to travel. And so the more we can reduce the risk of people out on those roadways, the better off they are. At the same time, improving the pedestrian and vulnerable user infrastructure so that on those roads that are higher speed because of the nature of the travel trip they're serving, that they're safe place for all users of the roadway. You know, we believe that uh, our roads will be safe when there's a safe space for everyone on those roadways. And so that's also part of that program. Talking about getting public support, one of the things I'm curious about from your perspectives is when it comes to traffic enforcement cameras, whether it's red light cameras, speed enforcement cameras, things of that sort. Do you find, even though they may have proven themselves effective in terms of lowering speeds, that that in any way is negated by the public not feeling comfortable about having those kinds of devices on the roadways? I'm not sure exactly what you do or don't have in Austin, Rob, but just even in terms of a, a national perspective, Leah, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think we're seeing shifting attitudes toward safety cameras or automated speed enforcement. Now, I'll acknowledge that it's very slowly shifting, but I do think we're seeing a change here. You know, we've seen very well-thought-out, careful programs rolled out recently in communities like New York City, Washington, D.C., increasingly places like Portland, Oregon, and Seattle. These are newer automated speed enforcement programs that are showing real value, documented success, in lowering speeds, lowering the number of tickets written, which is great, and lowering injuries and fatalities. Now, like you say, there's kind of an innate suspicion, I'd say, or skepticism of these programs for a lot of different reasons. Um, I think to acknowledge it, there there have been examples, and and this is going back quite a while now, but there have been examples historically where communities have rolled out these programs in a way that's not so well thought out, not so careful. So I think there was a backlash against automated speed enforcement. I think thanks to community leadership in these, these communities now doing it right, really being able to document the success, really being thoughtful, their goal, let me emphasize this, their goal in this current age of safety cameras, their goal is not to write more tickets nor to raise more revenue. In fact, they're really documenting that when they're successful, they're writing fewer tickets and raising less revenue because people's behavior is changing. And that's the most important goal. And I'll just share that I want to highlight New York City, I think, is the strongest, most recent example in the U.S. People are probably familiar with the really impressive numbers that in the last five years, 
since New York City has been running its Vision Zero program, and, and they're the first in the country to do so. So in the last five years, they've seen a roughly one-third drop in traffic deaths, and that is an, an historic low. Since they've been keeping records in the early 1900s, this is a historic low for their traffic deaths, and they've been decreasing every year in the last five years. So that's a big city. It's a complicated, messy city, right? Yet they're doing this. And when you ask leaders within their Department of Transportation, within their mayor's office, what the biggest changes are to really move those numbers and, and cause that safety improvement, they point to their speed management programs. That includes automated speed enforcement in school zones. That includes lowering their speed limit from 30 to 25 miles per hour citywide, as Austin is trying to do. And it includes redesigning streets to be slower, complete streets that are more safe to navigate for all road users, especially those walking and biking. So, you know, I think that's an important lesson we're now learning from New York City. I hope this is a model to others. And I'll also emphasize that we know Vision Zero has a long, strong history in places like Europe. The country of Sweden started Vision Zero about 20 years ago, and they've seen half as many traffic deaths. And that is the time when their population has been growing, their mobility has been growing. And when you ask the experts in Sweden, you say, what's the biggest change you've made? They also point to speed management, including smart, careful, automated speed enforcement programs. So I think, you know, the signs are very clear. We need to be moving in that direction. And I think more and more communities are eager to do so. What we really need to see is greater flexibility and support at both the state level and the federal level. Um, What we often see, whether it's in places like Texas or California or Florida, actually many, many states do not allow automated speed enforcement. So it's a proven tool that's not being able to be accessed by communities who want to ensure their, their members' safety. So that's a problem. Yes, I would agree. I think we do need to have a national discussion ongoing at a large scale about these new tools, especially the ones that show such promise. Uh, as Leah indicated, we're not allowed to do automated speed control here in the state of Texas, and, and there's currently a, a public debate, a negative debate about red light uh, running camera capabilities. And so uh, I think that there needs to be a larger discussion and that people need to get uh, more comfortable uh, at the national level, I would argue, about the benefits of automation and automated control. I think we need to expand this forward as we talk about automated vehicles coming up, that the goal of automated vehicles should not be for those vehicles to travel six feet apart at 80 miles an hour down the roadway. I mean, that's the model, I think, that the marketplace is putting out there, but that's just the opposite of where I think this debate should be. It's not a discussion about how we increase speeds, but about how we increase safety. And so, I think that's a process that's ongoing. It's certainly a debate ongoing here in Texas, but clearly we need lots of different methods to manage speed, and and if automation shows the value it does in other cities, it should be a a discussion nationwide about bringing those capabilities to our professionals to use. We've been talking this month on the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast with Robert Spiller, the Director of Transportation for the City of Austin, and Leah Shaham, the Founder and Executive Director of the Vision Zero Network. It's going to be interesting to uh, follow what goes on in Austin as well as nationally. And I thank you both for taking the time to chat with us this month. Thank you. Thank you.